You see, some things are better off broken. See, some things are better off broken. Some things will never reach their full potential as long as they remain intact. You see, there's certain things in this world that have been made to be broken. There's certain things that, that can't have the potential that is within them unleashed unless they're got what amounts to a piece of plastic. But if I break it, then all of a sudden it comes to life and it begins to be what it was intended to in the first place, but see, if it was never broken, then this glow stick would just be uh, a piece of plastic. See, but in its brokenness, uh, all of a sudden it begins to shine. In brokenness, all of a sudden it begins to light up the darkness. In its brokenness, it can lead the way. In its brokenness, it can shine with a glory that while it was intact, it could never even imagine to shine with uh, i'm just here to tell you today that some things there you go timmy are better off broken can you say uh, amen uh, like this egg <laughs> like this egg like this egg so so within this egg is a lot of potential right within this egg is a lot of potential Hang on, man. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> if this was a fertilized egg, then this egg would be able to turn into a brand new chicken, which would be able to then produce a whole bunch more chickens, a never-ending supply of eggs. But see, that could never happen unless this egg was broken and what was inside could get out but even an unfertilized egg like this one still has all kinds of amazing potential within it see this egg has the potential to be the scrambled eggs that miss grace made for the first service can you say amen this egg has the potential to be a, a cheese and bacon omelet that you could make and eat and be real good this egg has the potential when you mix it with bananas and some flour and sugar to be Miss Anita's banana pudding cupcakes. Can somebody say amen? But see, none of that can happen as long as this egg stays intact. There you go, Timmy. I'm just kidding. None of that can happen as long as that egg stays intact. It's not until that egg gets broken that it can actually fulfill the potential that it has within it. Only in its brokenness can it do what it was designed to do. You know what else is like that? This pistachio. Anybody else love pistachios? Oh, they're so good. This is God's perfect snack right here. It's packed with protein and all kinds of yummy goodness, uh, but it can't do nothing for you as long as it's got this shell around it, uh, except maybe break a tooth off for you. But in the midst of its brokenness, it becomes what it was designed to do. In the midst of its brokenness, it becomes this protein-packed, God-given, amazing snack uh, that doesn't make you fat, right? Uh, what a beautiful thing that God's provided for us, but only in its brokenness my wife asked me why i have any pinata in my amazon cart and i said woman i have a tiny pinata in my amazon cart because i'm having a tiny fiesta and she said i don't want to come to your tiny fiesta and I said, that's fine. You weren't invited to my tiny fiesta anyway. This is a one-person pinata, and it wasn't for you in the first place. Now, I really would have liked for her to come to my tiny fiesta. But look. <laughs> Pinatas are cool. They look cool. They're nice and colorful and made of animals or whatever. But the power of a pinata is not in what it looks like. The power of a pinata is what's in contained inside of the pinata. I mean, a pinata has power. Somebody say amen. Have you seen the look on the kids' faces? Like when the when the pinata is like barely hanging on, and 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 the anticipation in the face of the children is like nothing ever else in the rest of eternity, man. I mean, the kids are standing there. They're just like chomping at the bit to, 
And then when that last whack destroys the pinata, and then all of a sudden the flood of candy falls out on the floor and these little piranhas that have been hanging out around side go and they consume the candy and experience a kind of joy that can't be provided by many other things in life. I mean, if you just handed them the candy, they wouldn't be half that happy. But because it was contained within the pinata and then the pinata was broken, there's something special about it. I'm here to tell you today the pinatas are better off broken better off broken pistachios better off broken glow sticks better off broken eggs better off broken so many things in our life are better off broken where's the members of my way church softball team man anybody here from my way church softball team come on can a glove that you buy off the shelf at the walmart or the sporting goods store is it any good it's stiff, right. I mean, it may be better than your hand, but not a whole lot better than your hand. It, it doesn't work like it's supposed to work. A baseball glove, softball glove, don't work like it's supposed to work unless it's broken. And then we get you some saddle soap and rub on there, and you take care of that sucker, and you do it like you're supposed to do, and then all of a sudden it becomes a softball kitchen machine. Somebody say amen. But not uh, while it's new. Not while it's intact. Not like it is when it come from the store. No, for this thing to work like it's intended to work, got to be broken. A baseball glove is better off. Come on, what about a good pair of shoes, man? Good pair of shoes, like you, you put on your new shoes and you go to work. What happens if you wear new shoes to work, Todd Kid? Come on, man. They, they, look, look, they may protect you from the stuff in the outside world, but they don't protect you from the damage that they actually are going to do to you. Then you show up with blisters all over your feet. Why? Because shoes and boots don't work like they're intended to work until they get broken in. See, shoes are better off broken. You know what else is better off broken? Records. World records, man, it's cool when they stand for a time, but man, it's so much better when they get broken. Why? Because it shows we're getting stronger. It shows we're getting faster. It shows we're getting smarter. It's important for us to break records because it shows that we're progressing from one thing to another. It shows that we're improving. It shows that we are becoming more. You know what else is better off broken? An awkward silence. An awkward silence. Better off. <laughs> yeah, big time better off broken. You know that if you're part of our home groups, right? Wish somebody'd say something. Maybe it's time for you to say something. You know what else is better off broken? A field, right? I mean, you get a field and, and it's there and it has the potential to produce a harvest. All right, a field has the potential to produce a harvest, but if you go out there and scatter your seeds on a hard ground that hasn't been broken up, what are you going to get back for your sowing? Yeah, not much of nothing. But when that field gets broken, all of a sudden it has the potential to produce way more than what we would have ever imagined. But that field's got to be broken before it can do what it was designed to do, before it can be what God intended it to be. It's got to be broken up. It's got to be tilled up. See, a field is better off broken. And what about the seeds that are going to go in the field? I mean, a seed is just a seed. You put it in the ground and it gets germinated and then all of a sudden that life starts to bring forth from the seed. But if the shell of the seed don't ever get broken, guess what? The plant can't be born and that new life can't exist. So see, a seed is better off. Y'all are asleep, man. I said a seed is better off. You know what else is better off broken? A really long fast. I mean, fasting is cool. Don't get me wrong. We're about to start one here at the church. I know y'all wanted to hear that. It's going to be good. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to fast for a while. And fasting is awesome. Draws us closer to the Lord. And in the midst of a fasting, I've had some of the most awesome spiritual awakenings I've ever had. But I'll tell you what, let me testify to you here today. A really long fast, better off broken. There's nothing better than that first bite of food you put in your mouth. Now, you don't get to eat near as much as you thought you were going to get to eat. But man, the first couple bites are ah, thunder. Come on. Come on. Stuff. You know what else is better off broken? A news story. I mean, a news story has all the information contained within it, right? All the information contained within it, except you can't get that information to who it needs to get to unless you break that story. You understand the vernacular that I'm using? You can't do it unless you break the story. So a news story is better off broken. What about a good news story? Y'all see what I did there? See, gospel means the good news. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ has everything that is needed contained within it to save, to to set free, to heal, to deliver, to do everything that God intended it to do. But I'll tell you what, you can't get it out there unless you break the good news story, unless you're willing to go and be God's people on the earth and tell his story and lead people to him and do what it is that you've been called to do and be who it is that you've been called to be. And that's a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can't do that unless you break that good news story say amen. amen and let me give you a real good example that came from the video Man, y'all see this stage right here i mean do you see all this incredible wood i mean these could be brand new you know, this could be like brand new wood that we bought from the lows or whatever but no jr went and reclaimed some wood that somebody threw away this stage that we get to worship god on this this baptismal that we get to baptize people in it's better broken can you say amen it's better off broken it's better off with all the wear and tear on it that the world try to do to it yet somebody swooped down in there where say the other people had thrown it away and picked it up and breathed new life into it and now we get to use it to worship god can somebody say amen you know what else is better off broken we are we are better off broken we're better off broken because i tell you what by your own strength you can only do what you can do but when you lay broken in the hands of the master man when you lay broken in the hands of the master he can take the sum he can take broken parts more than what the world ever thought that they could be he can breathe his life into you and make all your broken pieces all the cracks in your Shine with his glory. Can somebody give him praise this morning? You know who else is better off broken? When they laid him in this manger, he had within him all the potential, all the power. All the glory, all the love of God was laid in this manger. It's all in there. It was all in there. The power of God to restore. The power of God to reconcile. The power of God to save the souls that of any that would believe was contained within the body of this little baby. It was all in there. It was all in there. But it couldn't be fulfilled. It couldn't be released that, that, that power couldn't be unleashed into the world uh, until that body was broken open and the contents of it poured out for all the world. I present to you today that even Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus Christ, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Even Jesus Christ, Lion of Judah and Lamb of God. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of the Almighty, was better off broken. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word this morning? Woo! <laughs> If I can talk for the rest of this, it's going to be a miracle, but we'll see. My God's full of miracles today. Amen. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 7, the Bible says this. 
He summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And he instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff. No bread. That's important. How much bread did he give them? No traveling bag. No money. How much money? But to wear sandals and to not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now we're going to skip down to verse 30. We'll learn about Herod later. Verse 30. This is after they got back. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going. This verse is really important to our sermon today. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Verse 32. So they went away by boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it became late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away. This is just wait. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. That was unexpected. And they said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? So a denarii is about a day's wage. So if you, if you say that a day, an average day's wage here is 100 bucks, then you're talking about 20 grand, right? Should we take $20,000, Jesus, and go buy everybody a bite to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, he said, five and two fish. And then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took out five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to sit before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Yeah, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we pray for the miracles today. Not, not the miracle of the blessing, God, but the miracle of the breaking. Lord, I pray you just reveal it to us today. I pray you just pour out your love on us today. I pray that you'd just fill us with your power today. I pray that you'd help us to receive this word and to understand this word. I pray that you would show us just how important that it is that we present ourselves into your hands, broken and ready to be molded and shaped, not into what we thought we was going to be, but into what you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's just give him a shout of praise this morning, and you may be seated. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Everybody's taking care of me this morning, man. What a, what a blessed person that I am. The disciples had already been blessed with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. It says that he gave them the authority over the unclean spirits. He gave them the power to do the healing. He gave them the gospel message to go and preach repentance out into the world. But there was one more thing that he had to do before they could leave. He had to break them down. He had to strip them down of everything they thought was important in their lives. He had to take away from them everything they thought they needed for the journey so that they could realize that the only thing that they needed for the journey is Jesus Christ himself. Can you say amen? Because if we have all the worldly equipping that we think we need, what we'll do by human nature is we will rely on the worldly equipping that we have and not realize that we should have been relying on the provider that gave us the provision all along. Can you say amen? Because let me share this with you. If you let the provision distract you from the provider, then you don't understand the plan and you can't be part of the process. Can you say amen? And so we had to take away everything they thought that they needed. They thought that they needed all this stuff to go on this trip. Imagine if you were going on a trip, all the stuff that you would think that you needed. My wife thinks that we need like 20 suitcases full of stuff. Some of your teenagers think that they need like, dude, we go to like summer camp or something with these kids, and they come out with like five big giant suitcases full of junk. 
And it's like, y'all can't take all that stuff. But imagine if you were preparing for the trip and all of a sudden the Lord was like, no, you can't take none of that stuff. You can't take snacks. You can't take traveler's checks. By the way, hand me your debit card because I know you're going to get crazy if you go out there with it. You don't even get to take an extra shirt. I want you to go into the world fully believing that I'm going to provide for you everything that you need. Everything you thought you needed in the world, you don't need none of that stuff. All the stuff that you thought that it was going to take for you to be able to complete the mission, you don't need none of that stuff. You know what you need to complete the mission? The power and the authority of God. And so they went into the world carrying with them only the power and the authority of God. And they cast out demons in every town they went into. And they anointed people with oil and healed them in every town that they went into. They, they, they preached repentance and a legalistic, hard-hearted, stubborn-nosed people in Israel started laying down their religion and their legalism and turning their hearts and their faces towards the living God and revival broke out in Israel. Can you say amen? Do you know why? Do you know why? Because they weren't focused on the stuff that they had around them they were focused on God and him alone and when we shift our focus off of the things of the world and onto the things of God everything becomes possible because everything changes they realized that he was all they needed and that was the story that they told not just with their words stay with me not just with their words they realized that he was all they needed and they told that story with the very lives that they lived depending on him solely and not on anything else, not caring what the people in the towns thought about it, not caring what anybody said, not caring what people said was impossible or whatever, but relying on God and on him alone. And then the miracles flowed freely. And then they came back to Jesus and they were so happy, so proud of themselves. And they were like, man, we got to tell you what happened. Like he was going to be surprised, right? Go ahead, tell me. When somebody's telling you a story that you already know, like, do you interrupt them or do you just let them tell the story? <laughs> I have mixed feelings about that. So in one of the Gospels, the disciples come back to tell him all the things that they've seen and heard. And he says, whoa, 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 hold your horses. Y'all should just be happy that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Calm a little bit. But this time it seems like that he's really proud of them. I mean, it seems like he's really proud of them. He, he says... Man, that's, that's great. Let's, let's go away together to a remote place and get some rest. I know you guys have been serving in the ministry. You've been working hard. Let, let's go to a secluded place and, and, and let's just have some time just in each other's presence. Let's just rest. And you know when God provides you rest, man, it's because you've been incredible. I, I mean, that's the truth, man. God worked for six days, created the world and everything in it, and he rested. And so the disciples went out and worked miracles in the midst of the world. Then they got to rest. And, and I think it's interesting, the Bible said, because of all the comings and goings of the people. Is my mic cutting in and out? Yes, yeah, so let me grab one of these. Check. Okay. Because of all the comings and goings of the people, they didn't even have a chance to eat. They didn't have a chance to eat. And so they got on a boat, and they were going across the Sea of Galilee to a secluded place. Man, me and Angela got to... Blessed opportunity to go to some of those secluded places. There's no place you'd rather be, trust me. It's, it's awesome. But the Sea of Galilee, I, I need you to understand the picture. It's only about 13 miles long, and it's about 8 miles wide. And it's just one big circle. It's not like Nolan and Barron, like where it goes off in all these little alcoves. It's just like a giant pond, if you can picture that. And, and it's just a real big lake, but you can see the whole thing. I mean, you can see all the little villages around the sides. I mean, you can see everything that's going on. You know, it's one of the big revelations I had when I was up on top of one of the mountains is that, you know, when, the, when he went and walked on water out to him to, to calm the storm, like he could see them the whole time. They were never outside of his sight. And so as the boat went across the lake, it says that the villages just started to empty out because people knew that the master was on his way to a certain place and they were willing to leave everything that they had behind just to go and meet him there just to go and meet him there. And so the villagers, I mean, can you imagine the picture? So Jesus and, and his disciples are on this boat going across the Sea of Galilee and the people on the, on the shore, on the edges, realize that that's Jesus' boat. And so all of a sudden, like these hordes of people just start to converge. They just start to like leave the villages and the towns and their homes and their fields 
and they just drop everything and they're like, the master's going there. Man, we can, we can go there where he's going to be. And so they leave everything behind to get to where he's going to be. And so he gets off the boat and the Bible says that he has compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. They left everything to be where the master was. And I can guarantee you that if you leave everything behind to go meet the master where he's going to be, that he's going to meet you right there and he's going to provide for you what you need provided. It's like what was preached last week. Do you want to be healed? Well, then leave what you've been laying on and come and see me and I'll give you everything that you need. Can you say amen? And so we had compassion on the people. And the Bible says that he healed many that were sick and he began to teach them many things. And so they're there and, and they're, they're on this hillside out in the wilderness and, and Jesus is healing people and ministering to people and teaching them about the kingdom of God and he keeps going and going and going and preaching and, and teaching and healing and kind of like some of the services here at the Way Church, right? We just keep going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, the disciples hatch a plan. They come together. And they're like, hey, guys, I'm not sure he's ever going to stop. We still haven't ate anything. I got an idea. We'll go to him and tell him that the people are hungry. He loves the people. He'll do anything for the people. Let's, let's do it. All right. We're going to cast lots to see who's going to go. Now nah, tell Peter to go. He'll say anything. And so it doesn't say which one, but I'm sure they got Peter to go. And one of them goes to the Lord with this great idea. Let's tell the people that they need to go out into the villages and the countrysides and find themselves something to eat. You ever gone to the Lord with a really good idea? I mean, we go to the Lord with really good ideas all the time, don't we? And we've always got a really good idea for the Lord. Lord, I, I pray that you'll help me get this new job. I, I pray, God, that you'll deliver me from this bad circumstance. God, I pray that you'll heal my wounds. And God, I pray that you'll reconcile this relationship. And I pray that you'll open this door and shut that one. And you'll heal this and destroy that, God. And I pray that you'll do all these things. And when we say these things to the Lord, we always expect that he's going to say yes, don't we? I mean, have you ever gone to the Lord with a prayer and just known that he's going to say no? I mean, we expect him to say yes, we really do. We expect them to say yes. Now, I want you to really understand what exactly it is that they're praying. Because when we talk to the Lord, it's what prayer is, right? So ultimately, when they're talking to Jesus, really, they're in prayer. So here's what they're really saying. Dear Lord, will you please make all these people go away so that we can get something to eat? And they really thought he was going to say yes. They thought he was going to be like, I didn't think of that. Guys, that is a great idea. Okay, church dismissed. Go find the nearest drive-thru or cracker barrel. In Jesus' name. Wait, in my name. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's not what he did at all. That's not what he did at all. Instead, Jesus looked these guys deadpan in the face, right? I mean, just I can imagine the expression on his face like, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And I wonder how many times that's been his answer to our prayers. God, I pray that you would help those people. You help them. God, I pray you'd heal that sickness. You heal it. God, I pray you'd cast out that, that, that demonic oppression. You cast it out. God, I pray that you'd go and minister to those folks. You do it. God, I pray that you do this. You do it. God, I pray you do that. You do it. God, I pray that you would make this whole. You make it. God, I pray that, pray that you would do everything and anything and all the stuff. I said you go and do it. I called you to do it. I made you to do it. I empowered you to do it. I gave you the authority to do it. So why don't you get up and go and do it. Uh, made you to do it. Made you to do it. And you know, all these times when we're asking God to fix our situations, one thing that we may never have thought about is this. What if it was better off broken? I mean, what if what we were trying to get God to fix was better off broken in the first place? 
So Jesus says, you feed them. And all of a sudden, they're, they're shocked. They're shocked because they don't have anything to feed them. They don't have the provision to provide to the people. But what they're missing is that they're standing in the presence of the provider. They're literally in touching distance to the one that spoke the universe into existence they're in the presence of the provider but they act like and think that they lack the provision i wonder how many times that you in your life have felt like that you lack the provision when you're standing in the presence of the provider can you say amen jesus will never ask you for what you don't have all he wants is what you do have all he's asking for is what you do have. He'll never ask you for what you don't have. He just wants you to be willing to present yourself as a living sacrifice. He just wants what you do have. I promise you, if you're willing to give what you do have, then he will fill in all the blanks. He'll plug up all the holes. He'll make overflow and excess where there was want and need because that's the kind of God that he is. And so they're like, you know, we don't have any food. We don't have any bread to feed these people. If we had $20,000, we might be able to buy them all a bite. What do you want us to do, Jesus? We ain't got no money or no bread. And so Jesus says, what, what, what do you have? What do you have? And he's given them the opportunity to understand the most incredible truth that any of us as human beings can ever understand. That they don't give him the right answer in this, in, this, in this text. What he wants them to say is we have you. We, we have everything because we have you. And that's what I want everybody here at the Way Church to understand today. I mean, Jesus says, what do you have? The answer is we have him. And if we have him, we want for nothing. Because if we have him, we have everything. Because you can have the whole world and it means nothing. But if you've got Jesus Christ in your life, if you've got his Holy Spirit living inside your heart, then you have everything that you could ever need. Everything. Everything. And that's the answer that he's looking for. You got me. And he's standing there and he wants him to just claim it. He wants him to just claim it. You've got me. You don't need anything else. Man, you don't think I can feed this crowd? I made this crowd. I spoke these people into existence. You don't think I can't make manna rain from heaven right now? You've got me. But they don't say that. They come back and they're like, well, we found five loaves and two fishes. We ganked a little kid for his lunch. <laughs> a bunch of jerks. In John chapter 6, we know where they got the food from, right? There was a little boy that had five loaves and two fishes. And that's where they got the food from. Don't you think it's awesome that we serve a God that would bring the provision through one that wasn't even important enough to be counted among the multitude? See, they counted 5,000 men. They didn't bother to count women and children. And yet God brought the provision through one that wasn't even important enough to be counted. That's, that's not mine. I got that from somebody else. I stole that from the bishop, but that's okay. I thought it bears repeating, just as a side note. Well, we've got five loaves and two fishes, and Jesus is like, that's not exactly what I was talking about, but I'll make it work. And so the Bible says that he took it, and he blessed it. Let me stop right there and ask you this. How many people will five blessed loaves feed? Five. Five. Five blessed loaves will feed about five people. The loaves they're talking about look like about a six-inch sub you get from Subway. I used to eat about three of them with butter when I was in Israel. Five, five blessed loaves will feed five people. See, the miracle didn't come in the blessing. The miracle came in the breaking. The miracle didn't come in the blessing. He took it and he blessed it, and it was still just the same as it was. It was still just the same as it was when he blessed it. The miracle wasn't in the blessing. The miracle was in the breaking. It's when you lay yourself, your provision, your everything in the hands of the master, when he begins to break it and mold it and shape it into something new, that's where the miracles come. See, you have to be blessed and broken before you can be bountiful. Can you say amen? 
That's where the miracle came was in the breaking because when he broke it is when he started to hand it out. He started to give and give and give and give because he's a well that never runs dry because he is the provider, man. He is El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh. He provides all of our needs and gives us everything that we could ever imagine in our lives and anything besides what we get from Jesus we didn't need in the first place. Can you say amen? I'm having trouble talking. Pray for me. (laughs) Ah. Come on, man. Come on. You may be able to achieve with your earthly qualities what you can achieve. You can do what you can do while you're still intact, but you can only do what God can do when you lay broken in the hands of the Master. See, you don't become what he intended you to become until you let all this worldly stuff in your life be broken down, stripped down, taken away so that you realize that all you have to depend on in your life is God, was God, will forever be God. Can you say amen? Can you say hallelujah? Can you just give him some praise this morning for being a God that takes broken things? That takes broken things! And does miracles with them. That's my God. That's my God. And what a good God that he is. Five, five blessed loaves will feed five people. The five blessed and broken loaves will feed 5,000. You might be able to feed five people all on your own. But when you're blessed and broken before the Lord, that's when you can do something miraculous. Man, who are my blessed broken people today? I just want to know. I mean, who are my blessed and broken people? Because that's who I'm preaching to today. Yeah, because it's you. It's the ones that just raised their hands. You're the ones. My blessed and broken people, you're the ones that are going to be more than the world ever said you could be. You're the ones that are going to achieve more for the kingdom of God than the world ever thought you could. You're going to be the ones that are going to go out there and reap the harvest. You're going to be the ones that are going to make disciples of all nations. You're the ones that are going to cast out unclean spirits. You're the ones that are going to heal people that need healing. You're the ones that are going to break the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken and dying world that needs it worse than anything else that they could ever need. It's you. It's you. It's my blessed and broken people. See, you're, you're blessed just by being here. I mean, you're blessed. If you're breathing air right now, you're blessed. If your heart's beating in your chest, you're blessed. If you're here this morning, you're blessed. If you live in the United States of America, you're blessed. You're blessed already. But it's not until you're broken that you can become bountiful. You might be useful intact. You might be useful. You might can do what you can do, and that's fine. But you'll never overflow. I mean, I mean how, how do you know if you can overflow unless you've been poured all the way out and let the Lord God fill you back up? How do you know? My wife called me the other night and, and, and she asked me to take some food to a guy that needed food. And he had called the church and left a message. And so I was just leaving the gym, but I was, I, you know, she, she actually got the food and gave it to me. I just went and took it to him. But I was coming out of the gym and I was still in my workout clothes and whatever. And, and so I met this guy, and, and man, he's ate up with cancer. It started in his lungs, moved to his pancreas. He's, he's wearing a colostomy. He's, he's in bad shape. And he said he hadn't eaten in four days. He had to miss his last chemo treatment because he didn't have the resources to be able to, to have the gas to make it to his chemo treatment. He says they're not helping anyway, but he does it just because they tell him to do it, that it might extend his life just a little bit. And he's struggling, and nobody would help him. And so I took him this food, man. We took him just, just a couple bags of food, man, and some, you know, and, and I put some gas in his tank, and, and he was telling me this story, and I was like, hey, man, I, that's, that's terrible. I said, I just need to ask you one thing. And he said, what? I said, I just need to know, do you know the Lord? Are you saved? And he said, yes, sir. He said, I gave my life to Christ in 1974. And I was like, praise God. Praise God. He said, I ain't always lived right, but I know I belong to the Lord. And I said, praise God. I said, I just want to ask you one more thing is, can I pray for you? And he said, absolutely. I'd love for you to pray for me. He said, but I need to tell you something first. And I was like, okay. He said, I'm thankful for that tattoo on your arm. And I was like, what? Because look, I don't show this off and it's not something that I brag about, but I got a big old dragon travel tattoo all the way that covers my whole upper arm. And I mean, like I said, I don't ever wear something in church where it shows and nothing like that. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and not that that's bad or anything, but I just, just, I just don't brag about it. It's just not a thing that I show off, but I just came from the gym. And he said, I'm thankful for that. And I was like, why are you thankful for that ugly thing? 
And he said, because. He said, if you're the pastor of a church that would come out in the middle of the night to give food to a man that ain't ate and, and, and give me the resources I need to get to my treatments when you don't know me from anybody. And he said, and you came up here, he said, and you didn't ask me how I got in the shape I'm in and you didn't ask me why, I don't, why I'm not in church. And he said, and you didn't ask me what I'm going to now, and you didn't ask me anything except two questions. You asked me if I was saved, and then you asked me if you could pray for me. And he said, if there's a man out there that leads a church that loves God and loves people that much and has a tattoo of whatever that is on your arm, then that means that there's hope for a man like me. Wait, church, I'm better off broken. I'm better off broken. Off. Not to stay that way. Not to stay that way. But to cry out from the midst of my brokenness that the master would lift me up in his hands and then use my brokenness by his glory to feed the multitudes. Can you say amen? And he'll do the same thing with you. You're better off broken. You're better off broken instead of thinking that you could have done it on your own. You're better off broken in the hands of the master. You're better off presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. You know what they do to sacrifices? Do you know what they do to sacrifices? They break them open. And they pour the contents out on the altar. And then the Lord receives them. They're better off broken. Just like me. Just like you. Better off broken. In the book of Luke. Hang on, one more thing first. Can y'all go ahead and hand out those elements? Man. How many baskets were left after everybody was fed? Do you think that that is a coincidence? I told you a couple of weeks ago when I preached about the miraculous catch that the fish were for the Father. Right? That the fish were for the Father. That the disciples did all the work. The disciples did all the work, but the fish were for the Father. The baskets were for the disciples. The Bible said they hadn't even ate yet. They poured out everything that they could do to serve the people, but they hadn't even had anything for themselves yet. Anybody ever serve in ministry and that sounds all too familiar to you? I leave here most weeks all poured out. I leave here most weeks all poured out. I haven't had the time to receive anything for myself. But you know what I never, ever have taken away from me? The provider. See, no matter how much of my provision that I give away, my relationship with the provider always stays the same. He's always there. He never leaves me. He never abandons me. He never forsakes me. Man, he's there. And the answer, even when I don't have anything else, if somebody asks me what I do have, I've got him. Thank you, brother. And that's all I need. See, the baskets were for the disciples. Each one an entire basket to themselves. Because you see, when you take care of the Father's business, He takes care of yours. And not just a little. I think we've seen it over and over in these scriptures we've been preaching of these past few weeks. When you take care of the Father's business, man, He takes care of yours. And not in a small way.
Yes. His generosity exceeds anything that we could ever understand. See, the provider has a process and a plan to give the provision to the people. In the book of Luke in chapter 22, In the book of Luke in chapter 22 at the Last Supper, the Bible says that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And he says, this is my body. This is my body that'll be broken and given for you you see Jesus didn't fulfill his potential when he turned water into wine Jesus didn't fulfill his potential when he drove the sellers out of the temple Jesus didn't fulfill his potential when he healed the lepers Jesus didn't fulfill the potential when he fed the 5,000 or the 4,000 Jesus didn't fulfill his potential when he healed the blind, when he gave hearing to the deaf, when he raised those children or his friend from the dead. No. He didn't fulfill his potential when he was walking on water. He didn't fulfill his potential when he was transfigured into God's glory. No, 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 no. fulfilled his potential when he was broken and I know his bones weren't broken that's not what I mean that was a prophecy and that was fulfilled no 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 I mean that his whole body was a container for his blood and that what he came to do could not be fulfilled until that container was broken open and all the potential, all the power, all the love of God that was inside came pouring out. See, Jesus Christ fulfilled his potential in his brokenness. Jesus Christ fulfilled his potential when he was nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns on his head. When he screamed, Tetelestai, it is finished. Wait, church, he was better off broken. He was better off broken. Not a God that commanded that we die for him. A God that willingly gave himself over to brokenness that he would die for us. So get that cracker out of that thing if you can. Hey, we're trying our best for hygiene and whatnot till we get out of this season, okay? Bear with me. He took the bread and he blessed it Lord, we bless this bread. That is your body. That you gave for us so that we could live. That you gave for us so that out of the midst of our brokenness, you could come and reclaim us the way that JR reclaimed this stage and that you could use it for your glory. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. And he broke it and he gave it. And Lord, we bless this cup. This cup that is filled with the representation of your blood, poured out from your brokenness, poured out to cleanse us from our sins. 
Lord, if there be any other way. But there was no other way. And since there was no other way, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing yourself to be broken open so that we could be put back together. In Jesus' name, amen. He was the first to be blessed. He was blessed before there was any other blessings. He's the most blessed. He is the epitome of blessing. And, and yet Jesus did not fulfill his full potential until he was broken. And neither will you. As long as you try to hold on and hold together the remnants of your, own, your old life on your own, as long as you try to achieve everything the world offers on your own, as long as you try to hold all those pieces together with a glue that you made yourself, you will never fulfill your full potential. You'll never be the man or woman of God that he designed you to be. It's not until you're broken in the hands of the master that you become what he designed you to be. He blessed it and then he broke it and then he gave it. The miracle didn't come in the blessing. The miracle came in the breaking. In the breaking. And you wonder why the things in your life keep getting stripped away. Let me tell you. It's so you can realize that all you ever needed, all you ever needed was Him. And when He asks you what you've got, well, what do you have? The answer is just, Lord, I have you.